HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by VisitNapaValley.com, the official page for travel to the Napa Valley, America's legendary wine, food, arts, and wellness capital. For more information, visit www.VisitNapaValley.com. Hi, this is Celia Kutcher, host of Animal Instinct, and you are listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. Good morning. You're listening to In the Drink on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Joe Campanelli. Uh, very exciting show today. We have Ivan Milos of uh, Milos Winery in the, now let me get this right, Peliasat Peninsula. That's it. That's Pelias, it. Bro. I've been there and I still, I find it very hard to, uh, um, to, to say, but it's one of the most beautiful places in the entire world, probably the most beautiful wine region I've, I've ever been to. Um, and we have, uh, we have Yvonne's distributor here in New York, Stetson Robbins, also joining us on the show. Stetson, it's great to have you here. Thanks, Joe. Very exciting to be here for me. How did, how did you guys find this one? So I've been to Pelia Shots and tasted through lots of the wines in the area, and I have to say, by far, these were my, my favorite uh, wines. I've been to v- visit the winery. I think I met with your father. Yeah, I don't know yeah. if you were there. Actually, um, my father, he, we have a lot of people visiting us, yes. and you are the one he remembers because uh, you found the, sh- uh, the same emotion about uh, uh, aging. About aging, well, she still he still remembers you talking about his plavas from the 1994, which is he, yes. he's uh, extra <laughs> extraordinary uh, proud about it. So it was my big pleasure to meet you in person. And when I told him that I will be uh, a guest at your radio show, he was, oh he was really happy. He says say hi to him. I remember his uh, compliments about our get out of here. Yeah. That's that's amazing. <laughs> and actually, before we uh, wow, you, that just made my 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 whole day. Uh, <laughs> but before we get too far into the show, I, I do want to say uh, for any of those of you who are tuning in live tonight at Anfora from about five to eight o'clock or so. Uh, 
Um, Yvonne will be there live in person and will be pouring uh, all of his wines that are available uh, here in New York. Um, and you'll be able to uh, taste the wines, just hang out. Uh, it's it's really easy going. It's the if you guys have been to the producer nights before, just a way to hang out with a producer in a very casual setting. It's not yep. a formal presentation or anything. Uh, really fun. I will be there. Uh, Yvonne will be there. Stetson will be there. I hope you will be there as well. Uh, and the, the 2014 rosé, yeah. which so it's, is not available. So some new oh, wow. teaser, like teasers. Yeah. <laughs> Great. So so Stetson, tell us about about how you guys came in uh, in contact with, with Milos uh, and and uh, how long you've had the wines and so on. Well, so f- uh, Frank and Zhuja, who founded Blue Danube, uh, they, uh, on a very early trip, almost 10 years ago or so, uh, found Milos because historically or tr- they've been one of the most important wine producing families for a very long time and uh, Frank was really taken with the wines uh, it took a few years before we got to start working together but I think we've been working together now for five years five five or six yeah, years yeah. yeah it's actually in the beginning I still remember when we started working I found a visit card from the Frank from the 2004-2005 when he first time visited Ferrano and he said he wanted to import uh, the wines to the States. And Fernando said, uh, we need to wait a little bit. We don't have enough, you know. And then when we started to, uh, to work more with the winery, mm-hmm. with the wines, actually we started to do more cooperation. And then now we are working with Stetson, with other, other people from Blue Danube. So it's great great thing for us. Well, I have to say, I absolutely love the work that Blue Danube does. Uh, Stetson's one of our, our trusted distributors, uh, uh, and, and I think you're one of, one of the smartest people uh, doing what you're doing out there. Always brings a ton of knowledge and passion to it, uh, so so I think you've, you've landed in, in good hands. Uh, I believe so. <laughs> and we're, we're lucky to work with Milos. I mean, this is they are a very special producer. Uh, there's, there's nobody making wine in quite the same style. And they're, they're, if I had to, uh, the Milos Plavats, which you, you've worked with, if I had to explain Croatia on one wine, that might be. It's, it's yeah. certainly a good example. I agree. And when you look at these vineyard sites, as I said before at the top of the show, this, they're some of the most beautiful, the most beautiful place in the world for making wine. Extraordinarily steep vineyards, high elevation, looking out to the sea. Yeah. Uh, and, and you look at it, you're like, how could you not make great wine from this area? But I find that for my palate, some of the wines that, that, that are made from Plavats Mali in Pelusac are, are just really big, enormous. They're very high in alcohol and tannin, and some have residual sugar. And I just love the way that you guys make yeah, your so wine. Actually, we do like the natural wines, mm-hmm. but uh, uh, our goal is not to make natural wine. It's just our way to make great wine. So it's ju- just uh, the way of working. So we found out that it's the only way to make great wines from the plavas, doing like natural style. Uh, so we do completely organic production, and it's really important to have uh, uh, to maintain the vineyards in the right way, to have the freshness of the grape, to have the the life in the grape, and then by natural wine making to preserve it, that life. So that's one of the reasons why our wines can age for so long time. Also, we make uh, big efforts in the vineyard. So we mm-hmm. do, do a little bit different than others. Uh, actually, we work much more <laughs> in the vineyard than most people expect to work. Uh, the big part of our vineyards are ungrafted, which is also quite a unique thing because we have the sandy soil. So roots or it, or no, from its own wine mm-hmm. can much better acclimatize it 
to the area. And even in the hot summers, it's always fine. It's a little bit of humidity from the soil, and you can feel that freshness in the grape. So when you eat the grape, it's really wonderful. It's not tired mm-hmm. when, when, when you are making the wine. So when uh, has your father also always produced organic wine, or has this been a, a change that made something you believe in and you've No, no, on? so we were always doing the same thing. Yes. In the past, we didn't call it organic. We didn't bothering by certification, things like that. Okay, now we are part of the European Union, we have a European certification. But even on our labels, you can't find the big sign of organic. You know, we are not uh, advertising ourselves like organic natural wine makers. We are trying to produce great wines with strong expression of terroir, strong expression of uh, grape variety, Plavats Mali. And like I said, organic and natural is just way, the way to go there. So we are always doing the same always concentrating on getting the best grapes. So, uh, I don't know, fertilization, irrigation is not our thing in the, in the vineyard. So, so when was your, uh, when did on. your grandfather, the, uh, where the vineyards are located, how did that, uh, how was that location? Uh, yes, it's actually a fun story because actually my family lives in the same village almost 500 years. So we're always doing agriculture, mostly winemaking and olive oil growing. And then in the past, unfortunately, we had uh, communism. We have, we, we have been part of Yugoslavia. So in those times, you know, like big corporate owners that didn't, didn't care about quality, they care just about quantities. So unfortunately, most of the people planted their vineyards in the flat area because the kilo, the price for the, for the grape was the same if you have the vineyards on the best area where you can get much less than one kilo per wine. And the price is the same for the kilo if you have, I don't know, five kilos on, on, of the grape per wine. And my family was one of the few who didn't have any vineyards in the flat area, which was ridiculous. To you know how hard it is to make your saw that vineyards to plant it, to make all these uh, dry stone walls, all the terraces, and everything like that. So my f- grandfather, he was always hardworking guy, always working 12 hours a day, mostly in the vineyards in those times because it wasn't allowed to have your own label. And in the late 80s, when the communism fell down, Frano, my father, was one of the first who started doing privately owned winery. And the good thing for me today is that we have the best one of the best vineyards, you know, because it's on the best position. That blows my mind that even at a time where there was no financial incentive yeah. to do so, he still worked these. I mean, they're insanely steep vineyards. I, I'm uh, kind of klutzy, and and just walking through these was you know challenging. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I couldn't even imagine. Yeah, especially that our village is Ponico, that Ponico region is. Uh, it was really unknown in the past. And Frano was always against uh, the big corporate wineries. He always fighting with them, so, uh, showing that we can produce great wines from this area. And I didn't care that they just put it in the massive production. So and he, when he established Sagnum, like our premium brand, and Plavats in the 1989, 1992, things like that, that became a big thing. It was like the first big wines from Croatia. And let's... Uh, I think that most... Americans, at least, are not very familiar with the Plavats Mali grape, which is a very important grape um, in the central Croatian uh, area. Um, can you tell us what, what's characteristic of this grape? What, what's the potential for yes. it? So actually, the Plavats Mali, people maybe from the States know that uh, Zinfandel, which is very, quite popular here, is originally from Croatia. They did DNA analysis like 10 years ago and concluded it. And the Plavats Mali son of Zinfandel. And other parent is, uh, parent is Dobricic, also indigenous grape variety from uh, Sholt Island. So I like to say that the Plavats Mali has the best from both parents. So it has really uh, small berries. So Plavats Mali means something like little the blue one. So it has small berries, really thin skin, a lot of polyphenol compounds, even in the skin, even in the juice. It's really rich. So it's kind of the grape which is not so aromatic in the first. 
it's kind of the gravy has a really big potential for further aging. So that's what we do. We red wines we age at least four or five years. Uh, it has good good freshness. Mm-hmm. It's not acidic, but it's not low acidic. So it's it's great uh, ratio between all the co- compounds in the grape. It's really rich. It's really rich, and it needs a lot of time to aging to get more rounded. Yeah, and it's something that I keep hearing from winemakers who. I, I respect and, and wines I really love that that all you really need is the grapes and time and then everything else will sort it, itself out and and I love that for your kind of at least in the U.S. market your entry level wine the one that we have uh, uh, by the glass at Anfora it, it, the current release is 2009 so it's a yeah. six years old five years old wine yeah. <laughs> um, and at a very kind of approachable approachable price now Setson is that when you bring around the, these wines to people do you uh, Obviously, they're not making a ton of wine, but do you do you kind of know who you're going to bring this to? And it's someone who you, you think is very already amenable to more off the beaten path kind of wines, or are you trying very hard to introduce these to buyers who might change their mind? I would definitely both. I mean, these for for you put these wines in front of the right person, and they immediately understand them and love them and want to work with them. And then for you, typically, I think it's with. <clears throat> They do really well anywhere people are really working hands-on with the wines. Places like Amphora, where you're talking to the customers about the wines, there's an opportunity for exchange. Uh, Retail shops where people are curious to try something new and they're open to the suggestion of who they're they're buying from. Uh, But uh, in general... Uh, specifically with Milos, people, I mean, you really feel, you feel the, the location in the wines, and it makes them almost, I think the, ter- the notion of terroir is easier to see in, the, in Milos than in a lot of other wines, because it's so apparent. I mean, you taste, the, yeah. you taste the Mediterranean environment, you taste the sea, and you, you taste, taste Plavats. So actually, uh, when I was coming into New York, my flight was from the Zagreb, which is the capital city of Croatia, which is some 300 miles from my Pedersat Peninsula. So uh, it's, our lifestyle over there is quite interesting because we work in the vineyards. It's not a not populated area. We work what we do, and then when we need to travel, we need to drive a lot. So I always uh, listen for the radios for nice music and nice uh, uh, radio shows. And then uh, there was a quotation of uh, Mr. Nestle Mandela. He told that uh, if you speak to... So- it was mostly about languages. And he says if you speak to someone in... He- if you speak to someone, it goes to his head. But if you speak to someone in his language, it goes to his heart. So you can easily apply that to the wine. So most of the wine people try to understand with the brain, with the head. And we are trying to produce wine which you can understand with your heart. So we are trying... To uh, to reach your reach the heart of the people, reach the soul, when we are trying to uh, get a, a new customers, new people, new audience for our wines, and that's on that's the and whole Blue Danube team uh, do a great job about finding those people who have a heart for the wines like this, because if you put uh, this wine in the front of the people who uh, do uh, like chemical analysis in their head and you know things like that and. Uh, they they don't they won't appreciate it. So we are trying to do you know what. Uh, uh, when you l- look into the media, to the newspapers, you found a lot of uh, articles which is just for the big masses. So if I do, for example, the newspaper, I would probably have a few thousand people reading my news because I wouldn't have any uh, actors, any stars, things like that. I would have just real stuff. So it's the same like we are doing with the wine. We don't want the a- audience which everybody thinks has because we are mediocrity. We want to have the... Actually, we have the small group of not a small, but a small group of people who appreciate what we do, who who knows 
uh, what we are looking for in the wines and they know what they are looking into the wines like wine drinkers. Well, I have to say that my heart and my soul right now are longing for rosé weather. <laughs> and staring <laughs> at this rosé is, uh, is getting me very thirsty. Uh, and so uh, I'm also just excited. I don't know if, I, if I've tried the rosé before. So it's exciting to have a, uh, uh, you know, something that we're going to be previewing tonight. We'll pour this tonight at, uh, at Amphora as well. Um, and uh, I'm going to grab a little taste of this. Is, there, is, is the rosé a style that's uh, historic to, to the area? I mean, you're so close to the sea, um, and Plavat's wines are earthy, uh, complex, kind of you know more more dense, concentrated red wines. That it, to me, that makes a lot of sense to to look for a, a rosé style. Yeah. But please tell the story of Frano's difficulty with, uh, about with the rosé. Yes, actually, uh, the rosé was kind of the thing with people in our area were producing in the past, but not so much. They were always concentrating on the red wines. Yeah, thank you. And uh, we decided to produce rosé, but uh, our idea is, was to produce like more like serious kind of the rosé. So we used the best grape from Plavets Mali from our 30 years old vineyards. And then we made rosé, but not uh, in the modern way. It's also like a classic way with nativeist fermentation. So most of the... Uh, most And then in, in Croatia, when you want to sell the wine, you need to do chemical analysis. And then there is a board of five people tasting it and says they give you... Uh, they can they tell you can you sell it or not they need to taste it even if you chemicalize this is great so most of the times we had a huge problem with them because they are used you know like fruit forward fresh uh, rosé and then we have total opposite thing and i said it's not the rosé we want and then they forbidden us few one vintage they forbidden us even to sell so mo- most of it actually <laughs> most of it actually my friend were really happy with that <laughs> because most of most of the, those wine uh, they they drink <laughs> you just had to give it away yeah. Uh, that's insane to me. That notion that that you guys have, you know, worked, labored so hard all year long to make this wine by hand, not using chemicals, not using yeast or anything like that. Yeah. Um, and then just because some bureaucrat says, I don't like the way it tastes, so you yeah. can't even sell it. Uh, now we can. Like now it. we can, but we had some problems. We always have difficulties with them. So, but uh, we found out that uh, this is kind of the rosé which people uh, people don't expect to to yeah. taste, you know. And I, I've heard these stories in uh, in Italy, in France, certainly, where people have been denied the appellation. Um, one story that I really like is uh, from Piedmont. There's a Barolo producer called Cascina Abreu, and they decided to make an organic Barolo and to not filter it. And rather than uh, and and the uh, the consortio uh, said, you know, you're not allowed to call this Barolo because it's unfiltered and it's turbid uh, or torbido. So um, after that, they said, well, we don't want to make Barolo anymore. We're just going to make a wine called Torbido. <laughs> uh, but I've never heard of, of someone actually saying you're actually based on the way it tastes. You're not even allowed to sell it, regardless of you know under any appellation. That's that blows my mind. Well, yeah. it's interestingly, I think. A lot of us in the wine industry spend a lot of time understanding wine laws, but working in countries like Croatia, Hungary, Slovenia, uh, the Republic of Georgia, the people who whose wines you want to drink are making wines above the law, not not outside of it, but they're they're much yeah. stricter and have much more vision than uh, than the people who are responsible for making the laws who maybe don't even drink wine, <laughs> and so I, I would rather focus on producers who are doing very individual things than. Than understanding, you know, who cares if it if they don't get 
the stamp of approval, yeah. we can find the right people for the wine yeah. so without I, it. Luckily, now when we join the European Union, the European Union actually have the better laws about. They try to pre- protect the place of origin, mm-hmm. and what we are doing right now is to uh, make a designation for origin for our area because they didn't do it in the past because of communism. So we are working on that, and now we want actually. What's really important for the wine? It's to show the place and the variety, and then the people make it. If you protect it, that's really important. It's not like the taste of from somebody from some board or things like that. So, I have to say, that tasting this uh, Milos Plavats Rosé uh, brings me back to the Dalmatian coast, and uh, I wish that I was there right now. Um, on that note, we're going to take just a quick break. Um, we're going to have more with Ivan Milos, and we're going to taste um, two of his red wines, and uh, also Stetson from Blue Danube after a short break. Today's program was brought to you by VisitNapaValley.com. Welcome to the Napa Valley, North America's legendary wine and food capital, where the art of living well is defined, and each season holds a story waiting to be discovered. Life feels slower here, lived at a place where tables are set with care. Fine wine and food are created from the bounty of our own vineyards and gardens, and relationships with friends and family gathered around the table are somehow sweeter. When planning a trip to the Napa Valley, we invite you to visit the destination's official visitor website, visitnapavalley.com, or stop by Napa County's official visitor information center, located in downtown Napa, where our friendly and knowledgeable community ambassadors can assist you in creating your own legendary Napa Valley experiences. The Visitor Information Center is located at 600 Main Street, Napa, and is open from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., seven days a week, 360 days a year. Your invitation to experience the Napa Valley beckons. Take a deep breath, lose yourself in our quiet green and golden hills, renew your body and spirit, taste our legendary wines and cuisine, and experience the people who make this valley like no other in the world. For more information, go to visitnapavalley.com. All right, and we're back with uh, Stetson Robbins from Blue Danube and Ivan Milos, my favorite Plavats Mali producer. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. The <laughs> uh, one we have at uh, Anfora. And just a reminder, tonight uh, Stetson, Ivan, and I will all be at Anfora. Um, you'll also see uh, Dave Foss and I think Brett Elms as well there um, and our great team from that, from Anfora. And we're just really excited. We're going to have uh, a little producer night. The wines are going to be all poured by the glass at a discounted price um, from about 5 to uh, 8 o'clock. And it's going to be... A yeah, lot of fun. I would like to see more, much more people there and having great fun because we were putting some stuff which is available, some stuff which is new things. So it will be really fun to see that. Actually, what we do, we, we do just one grape, Plavat Smal, on one spot, but on much different ways. We have different wines from the Rosé, regular Plavat, some archi wines, even some sweet things which we do sometimes. So it's, it's really fun. I invite people. All right, and let's taste that that Plavats. This one, this one, I know uh, well, but I, I can't get enough of it. Um, and and talk to me as, as we pour this, and and uh, I'll, I'll be tasting it uh, in a minute. About uh, you're a young guy living in this tiny little town in yeah. uh, in Croatia. Did you ever have any desire to you know move to Zagreb or move somewhere, and uh, or did you? Was it always the thought for you to uh, to to stay with the winery? Uh, no, actually, uh, when I was a I was thinking, you know, I was thinking about 
my future, where would, would I live or what, I, what, what will I do in the future. And then I was studying at Zagreb. I was studying actually enology and uh, viticulture for five years to got my master's degree over there. So I was living in Zagreb for five years, traveling a little bit through Europe. But then uh, when I get after after college, I really decided that I really want to live uh, in the Pelješac Peninsula, doing uh, wine growing, doing wine making because, uh, because I really enjoy it. And uh, my family is over there. Uh, we really we are really connected mm-hmm. with each other. So, for example, I, I always like to say that uh, with my brother, for example who is just two years younger than me. We work together. So I like to say that I, I don't know much people who hang out so much with their siblings because uh, we live in the same family house, which is 500 years old. And then we work together. And then we hang out in the free times together, going to the bars, tasting some other wines, traveling a little bit. So it's it's great enjoying the life, you know, because it's not important where do you live. It's important about the people you know. So even in New York, it's not like the big cities, like the good people like we are now having a nice time mm-hmm. talking about good stuffs so that's really important and now because of the wines wines these wines are bringing me to really nice places like this radio show so i'm really happy with i'm doing i'm really enjoying it and actually people think that i'm i enjoy the most traveling but i enjoy most being in the vineyards and i'm trying to be more and more over there especially doing some regular stuff you know because Today, unfortunately, a lot of winemakers, a lot of owners of the wineries, they don't do anything in the vineyards. You know, they just have the brand, they just sign it, they're just trying to sell it. And actually, I like to say it's like the surgeon who doesn't do surgeries. You need to be there. You need to see the blood of the wine. You need to work there, dig the, dig the soil, to, if you really want to understand and make something above, above the bar. Yeah. And what do you think was the most important thing or some of the, most, the biggest lessons that you learned during your time at university? Yes, actually, okay, I learned a lot of things about chemical stuff in the wine, what's happening, so now I can better understand what's actually happening. But uh, when I learned more scientific way, I, then I decided to stick more to the natural winemaking because it's really much harder way. Lots of people uh, use the natural way like excuse to make bad wines, and it's not, for, it's not what we're doing. It's uh, really hard to do natural way. It's really a risky process sometimes. You need to be there. So I believe it's impossible to produce natural wine in huge quantities. Mm-hmm. It's really a risky process. Uh, you need to have a big knowledge, scientific knowledge, but you have to have a huge intuition, a uh, big experience, because you just need to feel it. So uh, that's why we have Frano still over, the, over there helping us, because, for example, for fermentation, it's, a, it's really hard to do it in the right way, to keep the freshness of the wine, to, to, go, to go through fermentation all the way to the end, to have the drive plavats on the dry side because we really don't want want to make wines with the residual sugar with the overcooked fruit that's what we avoid yeah and some people do make wines with plavats that have residual sugar and have much higher alcohol than this uh, what do you think is the i mean i just love this i love these wines just tasting your the plavats 2009 right now it is uh uh really complex really earthy elegant um you can tell that the, it's a, a wine that's made at a high altitude um, because there's some ripeness to it, but there's also lots of lots of earthiness uh, and, and some juicy acidity. This is a red wine that I wouldn't mind being at the you know at the at the beach or the seaside, uh, yeah. but but also I think we we definitely had like a lot of good roasted game meat once you get further uh, further in. What what is, how do you make a wine like this other than? It being a, a more naturally produced wine. I mean, obviously, it's um, 
if you were to, to take the same grapes in a naturally produced wine and not, you're not going to if you're going to add chemicals, it wouldn't be a 15.5% alcohol residual sugar wine. Is it because you have a higher altitude? Are you picking earlier than some of uh, some of the other people in the area? It's actually, it's quite complex to explain everything in one sentence, but it's the, the, big, the biggest thing is our vineyards. Like I explained before, uh, it's a dolomite limestone, mm-hmm. so we have a lot of magnesium carbonate over there, which keeps really humidity. Uh, which, which keep uh, freshness of our air, of our vineyard. Then it's ungrafted vineyard. Then our approach to the wine growing to always have the great ratio between the leaves, the grape, mm. the clusters, and everything. And then also it's really important the time of the harvest. Uh, the weather is changing. We are getting more and more warmer summer. So some people actually I don't know what they're doing, but they don't see that. <laughs> so they do the harvest in the same time like they were doing 30 years ago. And uh, the wine, the grape doesn't look at calendar they just count the number of uh, hour of suns they got so if the grape is ripe in the right moment you need to do the harvest sometimes two days later is too much yeah so it's really it's really you need to be there every day every day just watching 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 and first time actually it was fun story because it was uh, 2007 when it was really hot here Frano says it was end of August and usually people harvest Blavats end of uh, September Frano told us okay let's go harvest and even me was against I said it's too early what are you doing it, it, it's not ripe and then a few years after <laughs> I, I said to him, yeah you were right yes <laughs> he tasted everyone else's 2007s and they're just just big and clumsy and you and you're still had energy and vibrance still energy still on dry side mm-hmm. a lot of aromas of aging uh, it's totally different than most people expect to have from Blavat. Uh, amazing. And, uh, you know, it's it, just hearing you say that, it you know reminds me that we have a tendency to want to distill and understand wine in a very narrow scope. And in my head, I'm like, oh, it's the ungrafted vines, and that's why there's a lower alcohol level, you know, because uh, I've heard from multiple producers who work with ungrafted vines that you're able to get a higher level of phenolic ripeness or flavor ripeness at a lower alcohol level. But it really is such a, a complex mix of different things and it's yeah. my you know and, and I'm sure that that Stetson is someone who who sells wines but also someone who is, is super passionate about understanding really understanding the people behind the wines and, and how they're made uh, you, ha- you kind of have to choose which are which are the most important uh, most important things you only have so much time to talk about them with people mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I think with Milos and you feel it in the wines and especially you having been there you've seen this yourself there's incredible unity between the location that they're farming mm. uh the the location where they make the wine the cellar is is also quite important and the style of vinification you talked about barolo earlier i oftentimes recommend these wines to people who like barolo no relation to nebbiolo or even in terms of the conditions no similarities but in the glass uh, this is a more oxidative vinification. Mm-hmm. There's, there's not all this emphasis on preservation of fruit. And because Plavats has so much fruit, you get, a, you get underneath a little bit of that. There's incredible complexity, uh, but you still have lushness and, mm. and, and, and balance. Uh, uh, and so I th- it's the, but the unity that you, that you feel in their wines is what I find most attractive. And it, it's something that uh, it leaves you wanting to... Uh, share them with everybody. Yeah, and uh, I forgot to say that we all of these wines we age in the big oak barrels of Slavonian oak, which is also something in common with uh, some Barolo, old-fashioned Barolo producers. So it's like 2,000 liters, which we use for a long time. Even we have one barrel in a cellar, which is from the 1942, 
and wow. we have year on it and people get <laughs> surprised to see such a whole better in great condition so we do the steam washing it to get always the great hygiene and then few for example this plumber was more than two years in the in a slavonian nook so uh, i remember that distinctively about your cellar you know it's so many wine cellars look the same you know you can it's really vineyards that are exciting but but your cellar was different it uh it uh i, I remember only large old oak barrels yeah, i don't uh, maybe I, I didn't see it but i don't remember seeing any stainless steel around no, anywhere no, no, no. nothing um and it, it really had this very kind of old world feel um and uh and something that i think a lot of people get confused is the use that use of Slavonian oak, um, which, as as Elon correctly said, is uh, popular with a lot of uh, Barolo producers. Great, like a lot of my favorite Barolo producers use uh, Slavonian oak. It's actually a Croatian, uh, Croatian forest, and not to be confused with Slovenian oak, which there is some oak that's made in Slovenia, yeah. not as popular or as high quality as the Slavonian yeah. oak. It's actually Slavonian oak is a really great one. And unfortunately, a lot of people are just following the trends. And then they, in the, even in Croatia, they introduced, I don't know, the French, the American oak, which is great. But doesn't make sense to make Croatian wines in the uh, French oak right. when we have such a good, great quality oak in Slavonia. So this is actually even in this, in, in those way, we produce really unique wines from the place, from our country. To even eat oak, even the oak is just the corks are not from Croatia. <laughs> so when did you make any changes uh, integrating back into the winery? Was there anything where you're like, Dad, come on, get with the times, let's do things this way? We were talking about this last night. No, no, I'm even even more conservative than my father is, so which is unexpected. Yes, I'm I really because I stick to the natural way making to this way because I don't know, I hate. To feel sulfites in the wine. If you want to do modern wine, if you want to preserve food, you need to put uh, conservative in that sulfites, and that's unnatural for me. So, for example, this wine has minimum, almost they are almost sulfite free, not sulfites, but almost. So that's what I want to do to make wine which I really enjoy to drink, and this is kind of the wine I really enjoy to drink, which I feel great after it, which don't get, which got, uh, I don't get tired from them. Yes, I mean I I agree with that, and we have the the stagnum in uh, in our glass right now. Yeah, it's 2006 vintage. 2006 vintage. It's current, current release. Current release of it's it. Amazing. Yeah, amazing. So one thing I'll have to call you out. One thing that I did notice that has changed is the labels. Is yeah. that true? Yeah, we changed the labels. So nothing in the vineyard, nothing in the glass. The, the least important thing in the world. Uh, but to me, I, I always want to. Uh, I want to ask about this because I've noticed it with a lot of European wines where there's a, a label change to make something that uh, maybe, uh, I, I mean, I'd love to hear to hear your, your feelings on it. But the label to me looks very modern, very clean, uh, modern, up to date, and maybe not, uh, you know, when, when I think of a wine that might have a label like that, maybe it's a more technical wine, and yours is something that's made so much by hand, so much, yeah. so natural. Uh, what was the, the, the thought behind that? Uh, you know, we, we made this change a few years ago, so it was 2010, 2012, so we, we didn't want to pretend it's old label when it's new label. The style, uh, style of wine making stayed the same, but we changed the label, it's quite pretty simple label, uh, they, they don't have a huge Miller sign of it. You need to grab the bottle if you want to read, actually. So that's our wine. You need to need get close to them to understand. It's not something which will be on shelves from 50 meters. You will mm. see the Miller Stagno sign. And then the, uh, on these labels, we have these lines, pretty simple, which represents our terraces of the vineyards. 
So and we kept a little bit of old style of my, uh, of uh, design of the labels. So people people like it because it's recognizable. It's pretty simple and it's quite clean. What, what we also want to do our one is old fashioned way, but it's pretty clean. There is no any uh, bad things about you know it's faults. I, I, I would actually take kind of an alternative position on the labels in that although the uh, method of production is is traditional and and to some extent old this was it doesn't mean it, it's uh it's not intelligent and or or informed and they spend a lot of time understanding the science behind what's happening in the wines and although these are not wines they're not trying to make technical wines they're not wines of analysis the finished product it's a bi- they're biologically finished. They're very stable. Yeah, uh, there's yeah. there's no faults or flaws. And what you end up tasting is the essence of the location. They grow one grape and produce a number of different iterations. The sphagnum that we're drinking right now is 15 percent alcohol, but it still has the freshness. I mean, it's not as clunky. It, it th- there there's there's a levity to the wines that you'll even sense in. This is the most traditional wine that is produced in the region. It's basically Prochek yeah. from Plavatsmali. I mean, that, that's amazing to me. I was uh, about to comment how tasting the Stagnum, like, uh, it's, it's refreshing to have a, a premium Plavatsmali that is uh, 14% alcohol. You don't taste, I, I never taste a 15% alcohol wine that doesn't taste like a 15% you know they're they're so once you get to that that level of alcohol they're so often overbearing uh but it's a this, tight line to walk to do it i mean it's there yeah. it's graceful it, it it's it's Com- more complexity it's it's all one selection of the best it's really limited production and then we aged for a long time so it's like current release because we need much more time of aging than even for the regular we were drinking the 03 yesterday yeah and actually 03 maybe you remember it was one of the hottest year in europe extremely hot and uh, we had a harvest, which even uh, our alcohol was even lower than in this one, but we needed much more time of aging. So Ferrano decided to age this one for 10 years in the winery. So actually it was the first Croatian wow. wine, which was released after 10 years of aging. And now we first starting to sell in 2004, 2005, and then we came back 2003. And people can't believe it. From such a hot summer, has, we have a wine which is still alive. It can, you can age it for decades. The 94... Yeah, it's, it's regular plavats from the ninety four. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Regular pl- and I brought I brought that back uh, in my suitcase, and it's yeah. just extraordinarily delicious uh, wine that that shows that if you make you know if you if you make wine by hand and do nothing else um, and do it in from a, a really good uh, terroir, it can it can age for a long time. Okay, we have to taste this last wine really quickly because uh, we're we're running out of time. Um, but uh, I haven't had this before, and I have it in my mouth, and I'm loving it. Uh, the sweetness that's on the the approach, and then dry and tannin and acid and complex, and I don't know what's going yeah, on. Here. I only say that, we, for example, like rosé, we pour the rosé. People don't expect to have something like this, and then we we ask, do you want to taste the sweet wine from the plavats? People, no, nah, you know, I don't prefer sweet wine. A lot of people don't prefer sweet wines, and then taste these, and then. Oh, they got out of, of their mind because it's a totally different way of sweet wines. It's not syrupy. It's really serious with yeah. great structure. So for this wine, we... You could uh, have it with savory food. Yeah, mm. yeah with mm. foie gras mm. or things like that. So this is kind of wine which we produce from the grape which we uh, drive on the ropes under the roof, the old traditional way. And even for this wine, we do native yeast fermentation, which is a little risky. It's, it's sometimes it's lots for us. Even next summer, we get fermentation in the barrel. So we have also several years of aging in the barrels, also used ones. And then it goes to bottle. We don't stabilize. Fermentation just stopped. We don't add anything, you know, to filter to stabilize it. And then we bottle it, and this wine can last for ever. 
forever. I, I, you know, I believe you uh, with that. Um, I, I thank you so much for for thank being you, on the show. For having I, me these there. are truly my favorite Croatian red wines. Uh, I'm so excited you're on the show, and I'm, I'm super excited to hang out with you more tonight at N4. I hope to see you guys there, five to eight o'clock. They'll be uh, discounted uh, by the glass wines, and uh, obviously, Ivan is a, a wealth of, of knowledge. Um, and his family is making truly the most soulful, expressive wines. Uh, I, I, I'm proud to pour them at Amphora, and yeah. I'm super happy that you're on the show. Uh, thank you very much for reminding me, and I really enjoy being in New York, and I really enjoy hanging out with the people, so I'm uh, I really looking forward to the evening, to the afternoon today. And uh, I have to say, if, if you guys are looking for a fun wine adventure for wines that uh, are not typical, uh, you know, what, what you can find in any place, but they're, they're unique, expressive wines from, from places that you don't hear of and grapes that, that are not common, the Blue Danube portfolio is extraordinary. So uh, I, I, and I, I love working with Stetson. It's great to have you on the show as well, Stetson. Thank you so much. All right. Likewise. And thanks again for listening. This has been In the Drink on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. You can email us with questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. 